ESPNW presents Be Honest with Carrie Champion. still exists, but you know, I try to take something negative and turn it into something positive. You know, a lot, a lot of people say that Conor McGregor is racist, but uh, I don't worry about that. You know, it's about going out there, doing my job. That was Floyd Mayweather talking to TMZ Sports uh, about whether or not he thought Conor McGregor was being a racist when he called him a boy. Uh, I don't necessarily think Conor is a racist. It didn't come off that way. I always take in culture. I always take in the fact that he is from uh, Ireland. All these different things you should you should think about when you're dealing with someone like him. And, and it's the MMA. They they trash talk. They do these things. So um, I don't necessarily think he was being a racist. Was I offended? No, not really. But but some were. But being offended is what I'd like to talk about today on this podcast. This fight is quickly approaching. August 26th. They're calling it an event. All of the experts are saying it is an event that we all should pay attention to. But there are so many different storylines in this event, one of which early on was whether or not Connor was a racist, one of which was should we be offended by what Connor said? Should we be offended by this fight? So I thought I'd have someone on the podcast today. And in the interest of full disclosure, uh, it's not just to talk about the fight. It's to talk about sports and politics and the climate that we live in right now. Andre Ward, light heavyweight champion of the world, will join us today. I asked him about this fight because this is a spectacle. People want to see it. I, I'm locked in. I'm paying my money. They'll get my pay-per-view dollars. But I also talked to him about the responsibility of being a black athlete in today's state. By state, I mean state of events, everything that is happening right now. And he was very honest about his approach and what he thought he would do if he was put in this situation, what he's doing with his platform but he also talked about the best way, in his opinion, to give a message that combats hate. Yes, be offended. Back to that word. But there's a way in which you can go about it. Uh, he's very insightful, and I'm glad to have him on the podcast. Welcome to this edition of Be Honest. Number one pound for pound fighter, according to ESPN's recent rankings that was july 7th he's on the podcast i'm way too excited andre thank you for joining us i'm happy to be on thanks for having me so you know i want to talk boxing and some other things and we'll get to the other things first so <laughs> so right. so the first off the top i i'm watching video of connor knocking out his sparring partner I, i'm hearing that he really might be a problem for Floyd, from other people. People are saying, just don't sleep yeah. on him. Don't sleep on him. I need you to give yeah. me your, your expert analysis. Are we going to have a legitimate fight between he and Floyd? I mean, you know, in terms of the the video that was leaked in training, I mean, that doesn't really mean much. I mean, you know, to the layman and to, you know, uh, MMA fans and, and even some boxing fans, you know, it did what it was supposed to do. It got people talking. It got people in some cases, excited. But the reality of the situation is it was a small clip of, you know, a 12-round sparring session, which is, you know, 36 minutes. So you can't really take too much from that. And, and Floyd has said it himself. You know, 
you can look great in, in training. You can, you can have bad days in training, but at the end of it all, you got to show up on that night when it all counts under the lights and, and, and you got to execute. So that remains to be seen in terms of, you know, if it's going to be a, a fight or not, I think, um, you know, we all just got to understand what we're signing up for. You know, this is one of the arguably one of the greatest of all time. Floyd Mayweather, forty nine and zero, going for the the record of fifty and zero, uh, which is Rocky Marciano's record. And we're, he's fighting a guy who is one of the best, or if not the best, in you know mixed martial arts. But he's never had a professional boxing match. But he has great hands in the octagon. So we don't know what we're going to get. Yeah, as you sign up, just understand what you're getting into. Like it's it's unknown territory so i don't know where the expectations should be but personally me i mean i'm going to be you know working the fight in terms of just the build up and everything uh from the commentary standpoint but if i was just a fan i would watch it and tune in just because i don't know what's going to happen okay so two things let me go back to to floyd mayweather who who we all agree is arguably one of the greatest you say yeah. He's going for Rocky Marciano's record. This would be fifty and zero if he are if he's able, which we most all of us believe that he will be Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. But don't you believe there'll be some type of asterisk there? Like he really didn't get the record because he's boxing <laughs> against someone who really isn't a professional boxer. No, not at all. Why? Not at all. Simply because we got to just let that number forty nine sink in like that this man and i'm speaking about floyd mayweather obviously has gone to battle um he's gone to war he's entertained us for you know the greater part of two decades and he's accumulated almost 50 fights as a professional he's he's done everything he's supposed to do he's earned the right to fight whoever he wants to fight and do whatever he wants to do in a boxing ring and i think if some people say you know is it unfair that you know there's other people that could take this opportunity or have this opportunity and McGregor just steps in, and I say no to that as well because McGregor brings something to the table. He brings a country. He brings a fan base. He brings a whole other sport. So he's bringing so much to the table, and the proof is in the pudding. Mainstream media, obviously all sports outlets, ESPN, et cetera, are tuning in, and they're interested in this matchup. So he's doing his part. Floyd has done his part, and I think it's an event. That's why I say just understand what you're signing up for. But I don't think it's a black eye to either sport. And I think it's actually cool and unique and this boy can come up with something like this for number 50. Okay, so wait, but I want to go back to that then. If it is an event, <laughs> why are we calling it a boxing match? If it is an event, if, if, if you keep saying, let's understand what we're signing up for, which is not right. a traditional boxing match, why can't there be those, which there will be, who say this isn't necessarily 50, if it's an event? Well, it's you got to realize Floyd Mayweather fights have been events for, again, probably, you know, eight, nine, ten years now. So he's at the level where his fights are not just fights no matter who he fights. So when I say that, I, I'm not taking away. I mean, by the rules, by the book, this is a boxing match. It's just something very unique. you got a guy who's 49-0 and a guy who's 0-0. So that's why people want to take away from it. But just take a second and play devil's advocate and just look at what he's bringing to the table. He's bringing, again, a tremendous fan base, his personal fan base. He's bringing a whole other sport in the UFC. He's bringing a country um, and his reputation. This man has got a lot of pride. He's got an ego. He's got a reputation that's at stake, too. And, and we got to remember, 
this is taking place in front of the whole world. This isn't a closed gym session. So he's bringing a lot. He's risking a lot as he takes this challenge on. And so is Floyd because the thing is this. Floyd Mayweather, the pressure and the onus is on him to not only perform but to dominate. Like this fight can't go the full 12 rounds because in many cases that's not going to be good on Floyd's part because they're going to say there's a guy who's never boxed before. He went 12 rounds. You're getting old, blah, blah, blah. Floyd has pressure. McGregor has pressure. I look at it for what it's worth. It is a boxing match. It's just never been done before. I like it. It's unique. Let's do it. Well, you mentioned there's a pressure. If it Now we can do all the what-ifs we want to. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Teddy Atlas called it a, a scientist being Floyd and a caveman. And he said the <laughs> only way that that uh, this fight is a win for Conor McGregor because it's never going to be a TKO. But the only way that this fight is a, technically a win for Conor McGregor if he goes the entire 12, right? Then yep. if he's able to hit Floyd in any form or fashion. Do you believe any of the two will happen? Either of the two will happen? Mm, I'm hard-pressed to believe it's going to go the distance. I, I just can't see that. And it, there's one glaring reason why. Conditioning. Like, McGregor fights, uh, what do they fight, five-minute five rounds or something like that in their championship fights, I believe it is. Um, and Floyd is used to going 36 minutes. And Floyd just doesn't coast to 36 minutes, irregardless of what people say. One of his greatest assets is not his reflexes, his speed, his defense, it's his conditioning. He doesn't get tired. McGregor gets tired. So that's where I think things are going to start to unravel. I think early on, round one through four, it's going to be interesting. Uh, just like we saw in that clip, with we see a big, strong McGregor. He's going to be trying to rough Floyd up. There's going to be some dirty tactics, I believe, because it's in his nature. That's what he does in MMA, elbows, headbutts wrestling so we're going to see something like that early on but when he starts to tire that's when we're going to see floyd uh take over and i agree with teddy and i said it earlier this fight can't go the distance because it's just not a good look for floyd yeah definitely not a good look so does that present any uh extra pressure on floyd do you think in his mind he's like i gotta knock him out which he's not known to do what has to happen for floyd to end this early i think i think mcgregor is gonna knock himself out and what I mean by that is, is he's going to get tired. He's going to be so tense and so tight. And he's going to do what every other fighter that Floyd has fought does, which is I'm going to rough him up. I'm going to bully him. I'm going to let him know who's boss. And Floyd is a veteran. Yes, there's pressure, but pressure is normal to him. It's just like me. I've been under pressure since I've been 12 years old. Floyd's been under pressure since he's been 8, 9, 10 years old. Once you get to the highest level as an amateur, it's always pressure. But Floyd is going to let him tire himself out, you know, kind of, kind of, Punch himself out, so to speak, and then you're going to see the master take over and start touching him to the body, hitting him with big shots to the head. And if I had to predict the way it was going to end, I think it's going to end with a uh, a brutal knockout to the body. Wow. Okay. A knockout. Mm-hmm. So I got Andre Ward on the phone saying that we don't see a knockout from one Floyd Mayweather. It's strange because, like, I think people give Floyd a bad rap like he's not strong and he doesn't hit hard. But people got to realize Floyd gives up a lot of weight uh, disadvantages when he fights guys like, you know, um, Chino Maidana, who the night of the fight, even though they weighed the same the day before, he's probably 15 pounds heavier than Floyd. So when you're fighting a bigger guy, you can't stand toe-to-toe. You can't exchange punches. You have to be smart. And McGregor, even though they line up, from the tail of the tape similar in terms of height and reach he's just naturally a bigger man he may be stronger but 
when you're a master, you can neutralize strength and neutralize punching power. And I think with Floyd being older, he's not going to be moving as much. He's going to be placing his shots, and I think he's going to land the right shot on McGregor and fight over. Wow. Okay, so you know Floyd, I'm sure. What do you think about Mm -hmm. his training right now? Is he training like this fight? Is he training for this fight like he trained for Pacquiao? I don't I don't know if his body will let him do that. You know, um, I think he's training hard from what I hear. I think he's training hard. I think he's taking it serious. But the, 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 the 40-year-old Floyd is not training like the 38-year-old Floyd. He's not training like, you know, the 35-year-old Floyd. Like, you, you just can't do it. When you get as many fights as he's had and, 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 you know, all the sparring sessions, all the training camps, you just can't do it the way you used to. But I think he's doing the best he can for a 40-year-old man. I think you're going to be amazing when you call this fight because I'm locked in already. I'm ready for the fight to start. Um, <laughs> I want to take you out of the ring, though. I want to talk to the, yeah. the, the publicity tour, the promotional tour, if you will, for this fight mm-hmm. and, and how, in my opinion, uh, I do believe some of the, the, the jabs and the racist remarks, they did get out of hand. Um, mm-hmm. Was that for show, or do you think that, that Connor went one step too far? Yeah, I don't I don't support that. I don't condone that on either end, you know. Um I didn't watch the whole tour, but you know, I got wind of of uh, some of the headlines and, and and what was said and you know, there's an argument about what they meant by, but I I don't like when it comes to there's certain things that at, you know, in combat sports uh and just sports in general that you don't touch, you know, a person's religion, race, family, it's things like that. Like it's just it's off limits. And and you know, not only did McGregor say what he said, but but he said it and, and didn't bat an eye about it, and really nobody said anything about it, and I don't think that's right at all. It's one thing to build up a fight if it or not, that's their business, but you know, when you start attacking a person's race or making comments about you know, African-American women and stuff like that, yeah, you, you, you lost me. I don't, I don't rock with that, and I don't support that at all. With that being said, you don't rock with that. You think there are certain things that are off-limits. Have you ever experienced racism while in the, in the ring? Um, not so much in the ring. I mean, you know, my last opponent, uh, Sergey Kovalev, you know, he had had some uh, questionable things that he's done with other fighters. And, you know, it kind of got brought up in the build-up to our fight. You know, and the question was posed to me, you know, is he a racist, meaning Sergey Kovalev? And, and, and you got to be really careful with that because even though there may be some questionable things he said, he's never declared that he was, you know, that this is his stance and he's against, you know, African-Americans or any other race. So I can't judge that man's intentions. You know, I'm not that good. You know, I can't say, yes, he's a racist. Um, but he did do some things that were questionable, just like McGregor, you know. so But I can't go so far as to say that he he's this and he's that. And I think he made um, – he backtracked a little bit and tried to clarify McGregor, if I'm not mistaken, kind of sure. his stance and whatnot. Sure. But you just got to be careful when you start calling somebody a racist um, because that that's, that's a heavy coat to put on someone. But – you know, some of the things that were said, they make you scratch your head for sure. So consider the climate that we're in. And then I think that I am talking to a boxer. Some would say a great mm-hmm. boxer. And then I think about Muhammad Ali. During his time, essentially blackballed because he was speaking out about what he felt. Do you feel as if there is an extra pressure on you, maybe others that you know that are young African-American men who have a platform to speak out about what's happening in our country today? I don't know if it's a pressure um, because I've never personally been pressured directly or indirectly. Um, I think it all depends on 
the individual. And I think it all depends on their personal convictions. Um, you know, I think, I think it depends on, you know, their viewpoint on life and what they're willing to give up when they make a, make a stance. I mean, I've had legal battles in my career where I knew that if I stand up and fight what I believe in, I'm going to be on the shelf. I'm not going to fight for a while and people are going to misinterpret what I'm doing and they're going to throw me into the bus, et cetera, et cetera. And it happened. What happened? Can you give me an example? I mean, you know, legally I can't go too much into it, but there was a dispute between me and my former promoter. And, you know, I felt like some things were done that weren't right. And, you know, I stood up, I said, look, man, you know, I tried to go and, 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 and handle it the right way, you know, face to face. It didn't work. And from there, I just had to make a legal stance and, the the pushback that I got from the media was just unbelievable, and it, and it was inaccurate. You know, it was all oh, war this and you know war that, and he's wasting his career. But my conviction, my personal conviction, in my quiet time was: look, I feel strong about this position, and whatever may come may come. But I refuse to get into a boxing ring until X, Y, and Z is done. And I got through it. So if you look at, like, you know, uh, Kaepernick, for example, whether you agree with everything or not, the approach, maybe you should do it this way, that's up for debate. But I think before you step out and before you make a stand, just understand that there's going to be some backlash and, and there may be some repercussions. And that may mean you not doing what you get paid to do for a season or what you love to do. So just understand that. And then the last the last piece on this is is, Again, I said it's it's about an individual's perspective. Like, for me personally, you know, I weigh heavily on my faith. Like, I see things, things that aren't right. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm half white and half black, but I'm considered an African-American male in society. And I, and I experience, you know, looks and, 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 and attitudes to this day, having a name in this world and being a professional athlete. But I go back to my faith because I know that, until people's hearts change, some of these other things aren't going to change. And I appreciate the protest. If it's done right, I appreciate those things. But sometimes we got to get to the heart of that matter, which is the heart of men and women. And, and if the heart doesn't change, these, these same actions are going to continue to be displayed. Okay, so do you think, and I think you're hitting on something that I think is important, and I'm going to go back to COVID-11 in just a second, but I think you're hitting on something that's really important, especially with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, mm-hmm. The the NFL owners are sending a message. He is a symbol, and it's a symbol that they don't want to be associated with. But they will. But they will give a job to someone else who has Colin Kaepernick's same beliefs. But he's so polarizing right now; they don't want to mm-hmm. touch him. I don't think that they have a problem with him speaking up or speaking out. I think because of what he's done. And how he's gone about it, he's become such a symbol that they're afraid and it's bad for business. I think it's just that at the end of the day, sometimes it's just bad for business. And there could be some racial tension there. There could be some people who All don't right. want that guy on his team because he has an afro and he rocks like that. He's mixed, too, just mm-hmm. like you. But mm-hmm. but seeing what happened to him, do you think that more or, and I'm talking about athletes all across the board. I'm talking about boxers. You know, I'm talking about football players, basketball players, those who don't have a LeBron-esque type of ability or platform mm-hmm. or money. Do you think that they would be hesitant to to really be active or loudly proactive as Colin Kaepernick was because of what happened to Colin? Yeah, I'm sure it does. It, it it is a case, you know, for pause. It'll it'll cause you to stop 
for a minute and, you know, count the cost for sure. And I, and I don't know. Like you said, we, we don't know what the totality of the, the Kaepernick situation is. We don't know. But, you know, there seems to be some things that, you know, you can kind of point to and say that maybe, you know, NFL teams may not want to be associated with that. And, and I think, too, you know, Kaepernick didn't just kneel. Like, he was very outspoken, too. And I think that that's what kind of, you know, took people back a little bit and was like, wow, where did this newfound, you know, you know, revelation of, of, of your roots and where you come from, where did this come from? And I think that kind of had people a little, you know, tentative or hesitant, but um, it will, it will cause some people to fall back. And I don't think you can knock them for that. If they, if they're worried about, you know, bringing a check home and providing for their family, you know, and then some people are going to continue to, to push forward and say, listen, my convictions and my beliefs and my viewpoint are stronger than anything else, and I'm willing to deal with whatever comes that way. So I think they both can be applauded. I can't knock the man who doesn't want to be outspoken, um, you know, it, it, you know, publicly, uh, but then also just applaud this person. Like, I, I respect that because that person still may be making a difference mm-hmm. in a different kind of way, just not public. So... Yeah, some people are going to be a little bit apprehensive and some people are going to continue to push forward. And so then I'll take it back to what you said to me earlier about Kovalev. And and from my understanding, he had uh, put up a video that was definitely racist or considered racist and he deleted it. And you handled and in responding to him, you're, you're, you're handling it with nothing but class. You're trying to take the high road. Um, Do you ever get frustrated? Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I, I get frustrated. I've gotten angry. Um, all of that. You know, I'm human. And, you know, I have, like I said, I'm, I'm you know, I'm mixed. And, and my father, who was a white man, he passed, you know, over 10 years ago. But he, you know, he raised me and my brother. And my brother's darker than me uh, as a single father. And I've seen my, my, my father getting confrontations because we got that look. Mm. be it from an African-American or, you know, from a, a white person. So I've kind of been in the middle of this whole race thing, you know, and the different opinions and ideas and ideals, you know, my whole life. Um, and it's just a tricky situation. But again, I always go back to my faith because, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, be angry, but don't sin. There's nothing wrong with being angry about something and saying, man, that's wrong. But now what is your response going to be? I don't think I'm going to get the proper response from Kovalev, the media, or anybody, if I go out there and respond in the same type of spirit that he's coming against me with. If he has an issue with African-Americans or, or feels some type of way or has some type of anger or hatred or whatever, and I'm not saying that he does, but I said if he does, I got to be sensitive not to let what's coming against me get on me, and then I respond the same way. So, again, I get on my knees and I pray, and I, and I ask God for the right perspective, the right heart, because hate can't drive out hate. Love drives out hate. When I have every opportunity to respond the way you just came at me, but I tell you, you know what, bro, I'm praying for you, man. What you did was wrong, man, and I don't support that, but I'm praying for you. That does more than you respond in the way that they came at you, in my opinion. Yeah, and and you're known, obviously, as being a Christian. You talk about your faith all the time, um, and, and and you're not afraid to do that. Do you find that, and I don't know if, it's one of these things where, it becomes uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to call to tell someone that they're being a racist. It's uncomfortable to tell someone yeah. that they're not being treated right. It's uncomfortable to say, I love the Lord. Uh, not for you, but for some. It makes right. other people uncomfortable. Do you yeah. find yourself ever in a position where 
you are uncomfortable to speak about speak out about being a Christian? I mean, early early in you know in my walk, you know, I probably had more apprehension because I was trying to figure it out and didn't understand really, you know, being young in my early twenties what the the pushback was about. But then you start to grow and you understand, you know, just people have different belief systems and people have, you know, different ideals and ideas on life. And I don't knock that, you know, but I feel like if guys can get on television and, and, and in some cases lead our kids astray by cussing and acting crazy, and that's applauded as entertainment. If you ask me, man, how did you get through this training camp and beat this guy? I'm going to tell you my story. You know, and I'm not, my intention is not to be obnoxious about it. It's not to push my beliefs on you, but it, you know, and you can do it in a classy way. And I think that's the, the struggle sometimes for, for people is to, to you know, kind of explain or speak about their belief system without, you know, ostracizing anyone or without, you know, um, coming from a place of pride. I'm just simply telling you how I was able to pull that feet off and what, you know, my source of strength is. And then you leave it alone and you let people, you know, take it how they take it. But, yeah, it was a lot harder early on. But as I got older and I understood a little bit more, I, like, I can't. Like, my young boys, I got two teenage boys looking at me. And, you know, they're being brought up as Christians and as believers. And I want to give them a picture of something. Look, you're going to get pushback. You're going to get some resistance. But stand for what you believe in so you don't just fall for anything. Which brings me back to the original question of what we were talking about. I appreciate you saying that and being so dedicated to speaking out about being a Christian and, and but being okay with the pushback. Um, I often have this conversation now because in the 60s, way before we were born, even before then, you know, go take it to Paul Robeson. Sports and politics always had a relationship. And I feel like that relationship is being renewed, if you will, as of late. Is there... Is there any reaction or what's your take over how you see the two going hand in hand now with athletes using their platform to speak out against social injustice? I mean, I, I think if it's done the right way, I think it's tremendous. And I think that's the beauty, the, the beauty of having a platform. You know, I, I think it's a tremendous thing. I just think it has to be done the right way. What do you mean by that? I mean, just kind of what we spoke about a little bit earlier about, you know, Speaking about what you believe in, it's okay to be flat-footed about it, but just not, in turn, attacking someone else because you believe differently than them or, mm-hmm. or you know, you have a different belief system. Even if somebody is a flat-out racist, there's nothing wrong with having a righteous indignation and saying, look, that's wrong, and it's wrong for these reasons. But, again, I got to, even though it's hard, I got to resist, like, using what you're using against me back on you. That That's the what I mean like because if I'm using my platform the wrong way and the wrong way being if I'm using counter hate or or counter racism or you know then then I I think you know the message is null and void and we're not effective like we can be but I think if I'm able to gather myself even if it takes a week before I post something or say something or get associated with a certain campaign and get myself together so the message is because you could have a great gift I can bring you a great gift but if I throw it at you, here, take this. It's going to be like, man, wow, like I appreciate the gift, but the presentation wasn't very good. But if I can give you a nice gift and say, look, here you go, this is for you, it can be received a lot better. So I, I love the opportunity that we have. I don't want to say it's, you know, getting rid of the middleman because, you know, I appreciate, you know, uh, uh, news outlets and websites and, and reporters. We need them. But I, I think sometimes it's appropriate just to say what you need to say in your words. Uh, straight to the people. 
Andre Ward, what a, a great perspective. I appreciate you joining us on Be Honest. August 26th, you're calling the fight. This is your second life. You might be taking my job sooner than later. No, no, no. You're a veteran. You're no. A veteran. I appreciate I, I, you having me on. No, I, I hear it in your voice, and I want you to know I don't need a co-anchor. I'm trying to get – why are you trying to steal my job? You already got a job. Why are you trying to take my job? I'm trying to learn, so I'm 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 not. I promise I'm not. But I, I do I do appreciate the encouragement. It's it's, it's uh, I love it. I appreciate it, and uh, it, it's my heart, man. I want to be you know a part of uh you know this field and and you know just be an asset. Yeah, yes, I, I can. I see it. I proclaim it. I believe it. Andre Ward, light heavyweight champion of the world, joining us here on yes, Be Honest. Ma'am. Well, I receive it. Thank you so much. All right, have a good one. Appreciate it, Andre Ward. Uh, that's my second time interviewing him. I thought he was great. Uh, very, very thoughtful. And I appreciate that. And very bold for his beliefs. So many people are quiet about being a Christian, and he is not. He was measured in how he wanted to approach social activism and what he thought about today's sports and politics and how they mix. He gave me a very, and I, you know, this is the first thing that comes to mind. I, not a Muhammad Ali, let's get in their face, but more of a Martin Luther King more thoughtful approach. Let's go with love. Let's not go with hate. Let's counter hate with love, which I appreciate. He didn't want to get into the issues with Sergei Kovalev, and I and I understand that. But uh, there was a racist video that Kovalev posted and has since been deleted. And Andre knew that it was not right. He handled it appropriately. I think he looks better for it. His approach, again, different from Kaepernick's approach, his approach different from LeBron's approach. Everyone doesn't need to have the same approach. Very thoughtful words from him. I appreciate him being on Be Honest. In that same vein, on the other side of the break, it's my Be Honest 30. A lot of you have been hitting me up on the Twitter, talking to me about the ESPN auction and what I think and who said what and who let that go down and this, that, and the other. On the other side of the break, I talk about it. Back in a moment. Hey, everybody. It's Be Honest 30, which is going to be longer than 30 seconds. But I want to talk about the ESPN auction. I I did notice um, in my mentions, and and I also received a bunch of texts, and I got a couple of phone calls about the ESPN auction for fantasy football. Uh, And I was also tagged with Bomani and Jamel and Michael and and other notable black faces at, at ESPN as if you know, what do you all think about this? What's happening? How is that? How is that possible? I will say this. First off, uh, by no means do I think the intention was to appear like a slave auction. I don't think they were sitting in a room saying, let's just do this to upset everyone. I do believe, however, perception is much more powerful. And the perception, the optics, if you will, were disturbing. As a black person, my first thought, no matter who was in the auction, because I hear people pointing out, well, Tom Brady was in the auction, Aaron Rodgers was in the auction. Okay, that's fine. But the optics on it, right? The entire crowd appearing to be white and a white person holding up a black face, all too disturbing. Some people are making references to get out. Even before that, any movie you see, any historical movie you see that has any type of um, point of reference for Slave auctions, it looks like that in in some way, modern day, if you will. So the optics are disturbing and it's disappointing. 
It's disappointing on a few levels, right? Because I work for a company that gives me a tremendous platform at my own podcast, at my own show, Monday through Friday. I'm a black woman. I, I worked my way from the bottom at this company. And so I know they give opportunities to black people, to minorities, to women, if they work hard. I've seen it. If they deserve it, I've seen it. So I'm not saying that this company is racist because that's just because it's not. Now, are we guilty of a bad decision? 100%. Are we guilty of perhaps having someone in the room who wasn't a minority, whether it be a woman, a Latin, a black person who didn't speak up and say, hey, I I, I don't think this is going to look good. Yeah, perhaps that's the case too. I don't know. I didn't make the decisions. I don't know who sat in the room and said, let's go with this idea. This is a good idea. Or perhaps let's make this not look so much like a slave auction. Or perhaps maybe somebody was in the room and they were afraid to speak up because they didn't have, I don't know, maybe they were afraid, just period. They didn't want to be perceived as a problem. They didn't want to kill a great idea because once a good idea is going in a room, I, I think about these creative types. We were all sitting in a room, right? Just like a morning meeting when we have our phone calls and we're talking about what's going to be on our show. One person gets a great idea. Everyone jumps on board. You don't want to be the joy killer and say, ah, nah, that's not a good idea. If you're not secure enough in who you are and your thoughts, you're not going to jump in and say that. So anyway, all I know is, is that it was disappointing. And I appreciate what our president, ESPN president, John Skipper, speaking out. I know for a fact he's not a racist. I know for a fact he, he understood what the optics were. And it was a mistake. Now, here is where it becomes a little more uncomfortable. It's the timing. It's the timing of it all, right? We're coming off of Charlottesville. We're coming off of a time in which our president refuses to say hate is bad. KKK is bad. People who don't like other people are bad. He's he's not denouncing the obvious, all the things that we were taught. And then there's this. So it's a climate. The climate is uncomfortable for minorities in America right now, because, you know, you think it's 2017. And every time you turn around, you feel like it's 1817. You're like, am I living through this? Is this really happening? Did I just see that in Charlottesville this weekend? Did I just hear President Trump say Thomas Jefferson owned slaves? Should we take down his statues too? They were they were wrong on both sides. What about the alt left? They had clubs. They were doing wrong. What? I heard Stephen A. Smith say something today, and this is when I really give him props because um, he can really verbalize a feeling. And I'm not saying black people are monolithic. You're not speaking for all black people, but he can verbalize a common feeling. What we saw in Charlottesville this weekend was one group fighting not to be oppressed and the other group fighting because they can oppress. And I don't understand why people can't see quite simply that that's just wrong. LeBron James put it so perfectly. Hatred is not in style. Why is it now fashionable? Why is that okay? I'm hearing so many wonderful um, perspectives on this from people who who come from different walks of life. And I appreciate 
the dialogue that we're having. I appreciate how, for the most part, we as as a community, as a country, are appalled. And we're trying to do things differently and be better. So with that being said, the auction was unfortunate. Extremely bad timing. I can't tell you if people would have been offended more or less if it didn't come off of the heels of Charlottesville. I can't, I don't know. I would have been offended, period. But I do know this. I'm pretty sure that wasn't the intention to appear like a slave auction. I can, I bet my check on that. Pretty sure about that. The reality is now that it's noticed, we have to move on. They acknowledge the problem. We have to move on. We have to be better. Just my take. Thanks for listening to Be Honest with Carrie Champion. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.